When it comes to buying your first home, everyone has questions. Can we even afford to buy a house right now? Well, I need to negotiate. How do I even negotiate? Luckily, a REMAX agent has answers. Hey, Brian, those are really good questions. They are? Thanks. It's my first time buying. I work with first-time buyers all the time. I got you. REMAX agents have more experience than other real estate agents. Visit REMAX.com or download the REMAX app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Each office independently owned and operated. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. A roast as dark as the night, perfect for fueling the cryptid research and mad ravings required for your podcasting. Don't mind the red eyes, he's just trying to warn you of the bridge! The bridge! Finally, from the caffeine-addled brains of Spring Hill Jack Coffee and last podcast on the left, we bring you Mothman's Red Eye Blend. Yes, delicious Panama beans. Go to lastpodcastmerch.com to order yours today. <laughs> Everybody, it's me, your wizard, Holden McNeely. I don't have to create a character right now, uh, Jake. I can just be myself for this episode that we're doing, uh, since we are just, you know, covering essentially uh, us. Isn't that fun? You know the what? I'm not even Holden. the bruiser. I'm not even the bruiser this week. <laughs> I am human being, Jake Young, uh, lapsed comedian, podcaster, internet content gremlin man. Talking to you like an actual human being. I live in a home. I love my cat. I'm a real human being. God damn it. And this episode is going to be a little bit different, guys. We wanted to do like a big year-end wrap-up podcast for y'all. We have some top uh, lists, uh, our favorite movies, video games of the year, that kind of thing. We've got, uh, we're going to actually, uh, and, we're, and we've got some Whizbrew superlatives. We're going to give out awards to our favorite episodes we researched, our favorite guests, etc. We're going to get to that later on. But we wanted to start with essentially uh, the new version of our bonus content on Patreon. But just for you guys, all for the main feed, do not worry. We are not copy and pasting this from Patreon <laughs> to the main feed. We're doing this for everybody, and uh, the patrons still get the bonus content unique to them as well. But uh, we, we changed the format a little bit. We're, we've been switching it up. We decided to do essentially... The show, like a version of like um, the shows I love to listen to, like Giant Bomb and things like that. Literally, this is the show that I pitched to Marcus uh, when I wanted to start another podcast. <laughs> and Marcus is like, you can't do that anymore. Nobody wants to hear <laughs> weekly, timely, uh, just shoot the shit culture podcast. You need I mean, a solid premise with like unless evergreen topics. <laughs> Unless you are already in the industry, so people have a reason, you know what I mean? Or, like we've done, we built a foundation, a body of work to, I think, uh, earn our ability to talk about, hey, just the video games we're playing these days, 
news stories that we think uh, matter, especially in uh, accordance to you know the type of stuff we cover for Wizard and the Bruiser. And uh, yeah, so it's called Wizard and the Newser. We do it uh, every other week on the Patreon. The other thing we do on Patreon, you guys have probably heard uh, on this main feed, actually, we've put those out during some holiday breaks, the year that was, and we've been covering the 80s now. I'm actually really excited about this next year. We The year that was, I believe it's 86, or is it 85 that we have coming up? It's going to be like the year Nintendo explodes <laughs> on the market and like... Uh, the 80s have been interesting because we finally hit a decade where, like, it started with us not even being alive. Yeah. So it's a little different. There's not as much nostalgia quite yet. But the year soon, that was, holy shit. 1981 was a rough year for video games. I think someone uh, figured out you can spell boobs on a calculator. I think yeah, that was exactly. the best video game of 1981. Exactly. A calculator costs like $800. <laughs> but anyways, uh, so let's get things rolling because we have a ton to cover today. We're going to start, like I said, with essentially a version of our Wizard of the Newser experience. Uh, experience over on <laughs> Patreon, except for it's going to be a bit of a year ender. I will start, though, with what I'm currently playing. Uh, Jake, I am currently playing on my PlayStation 5, Woo! which is very fun. And my daughter is just starting to kind of, I think, settle in enough for me to get um, a few hours, maybe an hour to three hours of, of gameplay in the evening. So right now, I'm, I'm uh, enjoying a few different things. Um, I beat Demon's Souls, so that's done. By the way, it's Demon's Souls, mm-hmm. which I feel like I never knew until I saw the box art when it came in. in well, the it's the uh, first, you know, it's the prequel to Dark's Souls, so it makes sense. Yes, totally, absolutely. Uh, so, yeah, I, I beat that. That was great. I am uh, currently, though, playing, um, well, I beat Inscription as well, and we'll talk more about Inscription when we get to our year-end uh, top video games of the year list. Oh, spoiler, it made the top five. I probably will. I'm going to whittle it down. I'm going to narrow it for for uh, in front of you all. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to reason it out. It's probably Live my top whittling five. whittling on mic. Uncensored it's whittling. It's, it's, it's definitely top five, actually, now that I'm <laughs> saying that out loud and looking at the list. But before we get to that, I'm also playing Ratchet and Clank, which is just a visual feast. It's not doing anything necessarily. I haven't played in a Ratchet and Clank game before, but I do really enjoy the Ratchet and Clank experience, which is so funny because I always looked at that as such a throwaway game IP. And then I think what I actually, the first one I really played all the way through was the remake that they put out on PS4 and just loved it. Loved it, loved it. And then, um, you know, that was it was really the first thing I got when I got my PS5. One of the first things is I just, I feel like it's such a great showcase for, because I'm not as big on cars, even though I'm really excited to give Forza 5 a shot, because apparently it's really, really just a good-ass open-world driving game, and even for people who don't like driving games, but I haven't gotten to it yet. But man, that is just, I feel like I'm playing a Pixar game. I feel like I'm in Coco, but without the tears. <laughs> like, it's just so much going on on the screen. It's absolutely beautiful. Um, and then, uh, uh, and this is all thanks to the Fire Escape podcast. If you listen to um, that particular podcast, is uh, one Dan Reichert and Mike Mahardy have been um, heavily championing a return to Death Stranding. So I'm actually, it got me to download. Because I, I played, I just started it. And it got so much hate, and sometimes mm-hmm. I'm really susceptible to bad criticism of stuff. Like uh, even I if mean, I, once once your eyes are open to a flaw that you maybe would not have noticed before, it just it does like taint it. It does, yeah, kind of poison your expectations. It's kind of two things. It's like yeah, but it's so batshit crazy. And then I think uh, it's two things. Like 
like this, you know, yeah, the the even the story itself, kind of where it ends up, uh, got got a decent amount of hate from different critics and things. And then also the experience itself. I mean, you're you're spending a lot of time wandering through these landscapes and just carrying packages from one place to another, and it can be kind of literally cumbersome and uh, this, that, and the other. But then um, I, I changed my experience up. I don't really play it on the TV as much. I play it on my PC using PlayStation 5 Remote Play um. and have a podcast on when that's going on. And actually it's become the podcast game that I've been searching for. So I've been enjoying that for sure. Uh, Astro's Playroom, it was an incredible showcase for the PlayStation. If you haven't, if you have a PlayStation 5 and you have not touched Astro's Playroom, I cannot recommend it enough, especially because it really gives you all those little, the crazy nuanced rumble that that is in that controller, as well as the give, the created give they can put on the triggers to make different, like, guns or different grips and things. They can create different experiences with the triggers. I know it's, like, hard to explain how cool it is. Holden, you to, have I the energy so cool. of a child that just got, like, their like their new Huffy bike. You are so excited yeah. for this PlayStation 5. It's very fun. It's very fun. I feel liberated. Um, so, And I'm actually taking my time. I think part of the reason why I'm playing Death Stranding right now is I am taking my time uh, to because I don't want to come just immediately play the other only like two other games that I could play. Just essentially Returnal and Miles Morales. I'm excited to get to, um, but I do need to get those games in before February 22nd because my friend, that is when Elden Ring comes out, mm -hmm. and then and you're I'm just so lost. excited about it. Then you and just then belong to Elden Ring, and then I disappear completely. But anyways, um, in terms of watching stuff, we're doing holiday stuff. The new season of The Great is out, and that is really good. Um, I'm 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 really like drawing a blank on watching stuff because we're, we're watching. I'm I'm I don't know. I'm I'm watching less. I'm spending more time with my daughter <laughs> now that she can't have screen time. I have to wait until she's 18 months to to give her limited screen time. I have to just turn screens off and focus on her, and it's actually been a blessing because it's helped me not just like weirdly binge watch shit while I'm just sitting in a room with my baby. <laughs> it's just kind of like also just lost in the screen, and then I was like, oh, she's not napping or sleeping right. Uh, maybe we should turn these screens off. Anyways, that's where I'm at kind of in my life uh, with that stuff. But I also just want to say, since this is a year in review, what a fucking crazy year for me. I think it's one of the most intense years I've had in my life. What? Holden, you're acting like you moved across country and then created life. What are you talking about? It, it is. It has been so wild between all of those things. And uh, I'm just so excited uh, for the future and uh, so excited to kind of move into 2023 now that these things are all kind of settling in a little bit more and we're getting a little bit more control over the chaos, uh, getting this apartment set up, getting this baby established uh, <laughs> is the only word I can think of. Just like because they just it just it starts so chaotic and it just slowly kind of order kind of is slowly created. So anyways, I, it's like such a wild year. I'll always remember this year. Such a wild year in my life, especially after everyone's lives were put on pause completely in 2020. I think a lot of people had a year like this because of that. We mm -hmm. were just kind of in a cage and we had these plans. And so they all happened at once in 2021, <laughs> like as opposed to like being nicely spread out uh, like butter on a loaf of bread. Jake, what are you playing watching these days? Anything before we move into the biggest news stories of the year? Uh, things are going pretty slow vis-a-vis -vis my cultural uh, intake. Uh, yeah, in here we go. What mobile game are you taking a shit and playing for what, five minutes uh, at a time? I'm still playing <laughs> Punball, which is a very fun kind of RPG brick breaker hybrid. Um, I've talked about it before on the bonus episodes. It is the most blatantly full of like little 
energy systems and microtransactions. I wish it was a real game, but I accept that this is just how mobile games are uh, laid out. Uh, if you enjoy upgrading equipment using in-game currency and uh, underneath all that, there is a very engaging, addictive gameplay loop, uh, kind of like Hold Down, kind of like a few other uh, you know, you aim the ball, you let it fly. There's power-ups, lots of fun things. I don't know. If you need a new mobile game, I'm suggesting Punball. I'm still playing Fortnite. It's the holiday season. They added, it's a, it's a new uh, chapter. So they changed up a lot of the mechanics, a lot of the weapons, a lot of the traversal. Uh, it's very fun. I don't care. I like the idea that I'm killing uh, eight-year-olds somewhere <laughs> across the country. <laughs> it, and sometimes those eight-year-olds kill me. It's a, it's a delightful mix. Um, I've been watching The Witcher Season 2, which uh, had an insane production history. You know, it felt like right in the middle of COVID. They were stranded in Eastern Europe. Half the cast got injured. Uh, there's it's It feels like... It feels like they're doing a lot of things that a Netflix season two kind of does where they set up all these cliffhangers to try and like make sure they got a second season. And then they spend, in my opinion, way too much time trying to like do cleanup mm. on the uh, cliffhangers from the last season before they can even remotely try and move the general plot forward. But fuck it, man. It's Cavill's great. I love watching him slay monsters. Like, the universe is still very fun. Yeah. And it does uh, kind of fill that, uh, you know, dragons and titties uh, shaped hole that Game of Thrones left. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, you know that, you know those holes that, that are in the exact I know exactly what the whole shape of the <laughs> hole is between those two, that descriptor. <laughs> it's a dragon with huge tits, but it's just an outline of it. It's a silhouette, Jake. It's very disturbing. I'm very upset right now imagining this tit dragon shaped hole uh <laughs> you forced me to visualize and uh you know i'm just uh loving my life here in this small town in the in uh, an hour outside of new york city did you move this year yeah did yeah you move in 22 yeah so i mean it's been a bit you know not maybe not as insane as like across the country and la and having a baby but i mean it's still a big year for you big move i mean how you've been in new york for how long uh, oh god now? well i had been in the city for well over a decade at that point yeah but uh now I own a car <laughs> and go grocery shopping and like yeah, live yeah. like a human. Take my trash out on Wednesdays. It's it's a, it's a life. Um, but now that uh, Omicron's uh, raging throughout the entire state, I am now holed up. Uh, I can't. Yeah, I, that's I'm right. not going to be able to say anything about the Spider-Man because I haven't seen it yet. It's only in theaters. And uh. Uh, I can't be like, I can't. <laughs> I can't I can't look my uh, fiance in the eye and be like, sorry, after fighting for years, uh, I succumbed to coronavirus because I had to see Tom Holland <laughs> in the movie. Theater. <laughs> I just I just can't with a straight face do it. I will have to say before we move into uh, the big news stories of the year, big shout outs to Dune. That definitely shaped my year in a way that you almost forget because it was like earlier in the year and it was pre baby, which is mm. like it feels like. PB and uh, AB, uh, you know what I mean, essentially, or BBAB, um, and I'm not referencing Death Stranding right now. Uh, <laughs> it, it it's like I, I it feels like it was a different year essentially uh, because it was before the baby came, but uh, yeah, well, it hugely defined my time doing that podcast with Henry, uh, and I do recommend checking out um, the Dune podcast we did. 
while at the same time, it was such a treat to get to go with him, also with our buddy Cena, uh, on a ton of edibles into the movie theater and get to uh, enjoy Dune in a movie theater and actually enjoy the movie Dune because who knows how that was going to land. And I think that they did a great job with it. And um, so much so, my, my, my always my biggest seal of approval, I watched it again later at home with uh, Lexi, and she is was totally like, she was like, I've been thinking about it for days. I need to know where the story's going to go. I'm like obsessed. This is like totally my shit. And I love that. So it was really kind of came full circle having, you know, had Henry cajole me <laughs> into absorbing uh, all the books in that series and knowing everything about it and going into the movie theater and then having it come back around to where my wife is now like, she'll probably want to go opening night to see the next one in 2028 or whatever the fuck <laughs> that's going to come out. All right, let's get on with the show. I want to talk about some of the bigger news stories. I have a list of big video game news stories from the year. I think Jake is working off a different list of big just general entertainment news stories. And uh, it's whatever you want to do to go first. I'll, I'll throw one out there. Um, that... <laughs> The the because you know it's the best of times, the worst of times, and uh, one of the worst of times that GTA remastered oh. the bungling. That was one of my favorite news stories we covered this year, just because. <laughs> uh, I mean, I don't want to see anything fail, but you know, I have been kind of frustrated. Rockstar was definitely like my favorite game dev for so long. You know, outside of obviously from software, I think they kind of took over. But especially back in yeah. college, back when GTA Three hit for the first time, I mean, that really was just they. I they could do no wrong in my eyes. Loved Red Dead Redemption. Didn't love Red Dead Redemption Two. And then between that and just the decade-long stall of a new G GTA to the point where I don't even know, they're probably not going to do another one because they're just, it just sucks to see, you know, and we've covered this a lot this year. We covered uh, EA this year. Did we do Activision oh, this yeah. year? That might have been the... Uh, oh, we might have done Activision the year before. 2020, I think. But either way, you know, it's just always the saddest story when you see, you know, money just takes over everything, trumps all, uh, pun mm -hmm. not intended. And... You know, you just watch like, oh, they're just making so much money on this online that they just don't give a fuck. On top of that, I what was it, John Hauser left, you know, some of the bigger players when it came to like the writing mm. left. And then you have this horrible, horrible uh, treatment of the GTA trilogy remastered, put out on consoles. And it's just, uh, you know, they they outsourced. They just did a bunch of not classic rock star stuff. They outsourced this to some other company. Uh, they, you know, the whole thing was just so, it just felt like such a fuck you. It, it was kind of like what we were all thinking with the way they've handled, you know, GTA 5 just incessantly being re-released and just caring about the online and not caring about new stories and better storytelling and things like that. It just it, it was all, it was sort of like finally evidence that they truly have like just don't just stopped giving a fuck about quality and only giving a fuck about making as much money as possible. And at least hopefully this was a wake up call for them to um, maybe not uh, treat their <laughs> like their diehard customers. I mean, I have been a huge fan of GTA since I was like, I th yeah, college, I think. Right. Um, you know, with GTA three and 
uh, it just it just sucks to see this treatment of it, and especially because man, they could really put the work and the time in and do something like what they did for Demon Souls. Mm-hmm. You know, if they did that, if they gave that treatment to the original trilogy, it would be dope. And then at the same time, people were talking about a new Saints Row game coming in. You're doing the money sign. I'm doing me. the money fingers. I'm doing the money fingers because that's not what this release was about. Uh, friend of the <laughs> no. show, Matt McMuscles has a great uh, video on YouTube about it uh, as part of his What Happened series that breaks down exactly how much... uh, What happened? Yeah, how much uh, Rockstar just let greed rule over the release of this thing. Everything from uh, cheaping out with the dev team, giving them a very limited budget, so they had to do all sorts of uh, kind of machine learning chicanery to get everything upscaled, which um, everything from the typos and all the signage around the games because they couldn't like afford to hand redo the textures. So they put everything through an AI upscaler and it would get letters wrong uh, to the way the characters looked where they tried to get it this cartoony smooth thing, but that only works in... Uh, a couple of the games like yeah. uh, San Andreas never had that cartoon style. So it just made all the characters look wrong, uh, getting the controls wrong, getting the uh, collision detection wrong. All these things that they just tried to do through automatic processes because they just didn't have the manpower to do by hand. And instead of realizing that it needs more time in the oven, it needs more money, it needs more just human hands to get it up to a sellable product. They just dumped it on the Rockstar store so that you don't even get that Steam refund. Like they did, they just they needed a holiday release to make sure that their Q4, Q3, whatever. I'm yeah. not a money guy. Um, just so that they had that on their ledger, right? And let the consequences be damned. It's really scummy. Uh, the whole endeavor, and I, I, I feel bad for that dev studio that was honestly given an impossible task, and like just gave that, and the only thing Rockstar gave them was just enough rope to hang themselves. It's 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 not fun. But but in a way, in a way, you, in the bright side, you're like, well, it was a disaster for them. So hopefully, this this is a wake up call. They can't I mean? keep getting away with this. <laughs> on the plus side i'm sure those developers uh were happy that they weren't working for activision or ubisoft because <laughs> boy yeah yeah do you want to talk a little bit about that and uh yeah blizzard blizzard with uh, uh tons of departures and things like that a lot of um I'll just say the word allegations yeah. seem to be thrown around. I mean, do, can you do you do they you have the recap in, they on that? Stole it, it all breast runs milk. together. They yeah. stole <laughs> breast milk. I don't know how you can get over that. men after my own heart. Uh, <laughs> no, absolutely. That, you earned that was granted with full <laughs> consent. <laughs> it's the boozy milk people that I've been drinking. The boozy milk that she has to pump and dump. All right. <laughs> Not stealing for the baby. I get an email every other day. That's not true. But anyways, yeah. Do you have a, a basic recap on on what you just referenced? Because it's like think, it all runs together in my head. Uh, I think it's just part of the greater cultural uh, shift that is happening where uh, in a world where you, one's ability to affect greater structural change is severely limited to the point of frustrating bleakness, uh, the things that we can at least try to control, which is uh, our cultural input, our workplace, our uh, just everything else that 
like the if we I, I guess what I'm trying to say is that like in polite society, we agree there should be consequences for being uh, a weird monster person. <laughs> but the actual like what that actually looks like in a place where like it is applied so unevenly is just like these fits and starts of great upheavals. Yeah. So all of a sudden, like a place that was completely run by uh, a previous generation, like basically just we've talked about like all these early uh, game dev studios, places like Rockstar, places like Activision, places like um, Naughty Dog that were these like Gen X bros who dropped out of college and created these like frats that happened to produce video games. All of a sudden, uh, when they became publicly traded companies with real HR staffs, like, of course, all that shit's going to come out. And, you know, it's 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 a reckoning that it's it's that you, you can't a place of business can't also be your fun bro clubhouse because shit's going to get nasty real fast. Right, right, right. Uh, shit getting nasty real fast. Uh, also, shout outs to the wild uh, reaction to the casting of the Mario film with Chris <laughs> Pratt. Um, this is the year we all I'm more mad about turned Garfield. on Chris I'm Pratt. I'm more mad about Garfield, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, crazy Daniel Day coming out of retirement to voice Heathcliff in the new <laughs> Heathcliff film. <laughs> Which is amazing stuff. Yeah, that was definitely, I would say, a big standout moment. That was just one of those weird moments where, you know, because I also do Page 7 podcast, which is a pop culture podcast. And so especially when we're covering stuff for that, it's like a weird, it's just weird to see like my video game news (laughs) bust out into like the larger conversation and in the weirdest ways. And this was maybe one of the weirdest ways that it did that uh, was the casting of Chris Pratt. I mean, that whole cast is bonkers. I mean, it's just such a fun, you know, and then, but, but that bitter taste of, you know, obviously not the original voice of Mario getting cast, which I think a lot of people would have preferred. And then also, it would have been terrible. I don't agree with that. I gotta say, I mean, it would have made, you know, but just, it's so bizarre. I think, uh, for sure that, (laughs) that he was chosen. And I know that that's, you know, um, I think your theory is that it's going to be like a normal guy that gets like, yeah, no, the story is going to be Chris Pratt is a normal guy who gets sucked into the mushroom, into the video game world, a la wreck it Ralph. And that's why Chris Pratt's going to be like, Whoa, I'm Mario. Wait a minute. That mushroom's talking like it's just, <laughs> and Charlie day is going to be his nerdy friend. That's like, what are you doing? You got to get the fire flower. <laughs> like it's, it's just going to be that. Yeah. Yeah. What, uh, what, moving right along though. I mean, that's, that's enough said Chris Pratt cast as Mario. <laughs> we don't even have to yeah. talk about it too much more. Well, what else do you have? Do you have anything um, maybe even not in the video game space? Well, uh, I think this is, uh, it was a weird year for the MCU uh, uh-huh. because you know, they're reaching a rebuilding year. It was a rebuilding year where they had, st- I mean, no way home, no way home is like breaking box office records in the middle of a pandemic, which is insane. Yeah, that's crazy. But before that, it was a little bit awkward with releases like uh, Black Widow that had Scarlett Johansson literally suing Disney because uh, without a uh, theater release, she got screwed out of her like residuals and her share of the uh, profits. Uh, there was that moment where. Uh, the who who said it? Who said the thing about uh, Shang Chi? Uh, oh yes, yeah, Disney CEO Bob Chapek called Shang Chi an experiment, uh, 
and uh, Simu, Simu Liu was like, we're not an experiment. Fuck, we're a real movie. Come on. You can't just... You can't just say like the Asian movies, the weird experiments like <laughs> there's uh, Kevin Feige had to like uh, kind of chime in with like, hey, you know, sorry about that. Uh, but you know, it's a lot of movie, you know, uh, HBO Max releasing the Snyder cut. Like this was a very weird year where people maybe started contemplating a post theater movie studio uh ecosystem and I, it was and like, in a lot of ways with that with hawkeye and wandavision i mean they really have been nailing the home experience especially perfect timing for them in a lot of ways because it is a rebuilding time where you might not have the biggest draw for certain pieces of uh, content in the movie theater like because maybe people don't want to necessarily go see hawkeye and uh, the hawkeye movie mm-hmm. you know what i mean but they will definitely watch a series at home especially just for those sweet sweet little um Easter eggs or not even Easter eggs, just reveals of, you know, what's going to be going on in the wider, you know, MCU realm with the multiverse and all these kinds of things. And they're dropping all those little post credit things or mm-hmm. you just have to make it to the end of the season. I did enjoy Loki. I did enjoy uh, uh, WandaVision probably the most, um, even though with WandaVision, the more I look back on it, I'm like, damn, they started so interesting and like off the grid. And then just slowly got on the yeah. grid. And so by the end, you're just watching a completely straight up like Marvel ending of S Marvel fight at the end. Yeah, exactly. Which I wish they would I wish they would start taking more swings. I think DC is a more interesting space right now because they have to take big swings mm-hmm. in, in interesting ways. So I'm more fascinated by what's going on over over on that end, especially with that Suicide Squad movie. I mean, that thing was so fucking good and just gave me so much hope for the future of DC in in uh, the filmic and television realm. Watching Shang-Chi, I was like so into it when it was just a kung fu movie with like yeah. a little bit of superhero flavors. And then right. by the end, when it's literally just the same uh, Marvel CG effects flying all over the place, like everything's done on green screen. Nobody is like even remotely making contact with anything physical. It's just giant monsters and energy waves and just special effects everywhere. I was like, ah, oh, I might be sick of this. I don't think I like this anymore. I liked it when it was just characters who I thought were interesting in conflict right. with one another. Right, right. When it comes to listing your home for sale, everyone and their mom has advice. Oh, honey, who's going to want to buy this place on a cul-de-sac? It's literally a dead end. But for professional advice, a REMAX agent actually knows best. Let's start with a neighborhood analysis. I've been seeing lots of buyers looking to move here. REMAX is the most trusted name in real estate. Visit REMAX.com or download the REMAX app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Based on 2022 BrandSpark American Trust Study. Each office independently owned and operated. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Here's a thing that came out this oh wait wait no it's not coming it was announced i was wondering i was like where did this thing go 
Um, no, 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 it's coming out soon, and I'm fucking kind of excited about it. Like, I might get my hands on it. The Steam Deck was announced, which is kind of a big deal. The, the mm. handheld Steam experience. I mean, I think it could really, you know, it is it is the only competition for the Switch at this point. But to be able to go on, you know, to, to travel and stuff, which we might get to do in 2022, I'm not sure yet, and have that, you know, for tours or whatever, Jake, I mean, I, w- I might be interested in grabbing something like that. And I know... You know, some I've I've heard some podcasts and stuff, industry people who've gotten their hands on it and say it's pretty fucking cool. Uh, and uh, yeah, I forgot. I was like, wait, where did that go? No, it's coming out February 2022. By the way, I mean, so many companies have tried this exact same thing, where uh, AMD and Intel have been beefing up the integrated graphics on their uh, chips, especially their lower power mobile chips, to the uh, point where. At least eight different companies have like released these handheld things running uh, weird versions of Windows or Linux, trying to get it to work. Uh, and I just, it just, they always date themselves. They're always just powerful enough to run like a year old games on medium settings at 720p. And then the games kind of just leapfrog them. And then you're just stuck with this like weird old computer that, you can't do a lot with. I'm just very skeptical of it. I think the future, despite uh, Stadia's uh, hilarious collapse, is just as 5G connectivity is like more common in mobile devices, I think you just get a controller for your phone and like that's how you play AAA massive cool games on the go. I think that's the more, I think that's the better way to go about it because like why spend another $700 when you've already spent $900 on a piece of mobile hardware with a nice screen and a fast mm-hmm. processor and a good connectivity. I, that's just my thought. No, I hear that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, just one That was like a piece of news kind of taking me back to the beginning of the year. I don't. Even, I think I was still in Astoria when we were talking about that. But uh, mm. d- what else do you got, Jake? Uh, let's see. Um, almost everything having to do with comedy caused everyone to yell at each other. That was just that just sucked, <laughs> man. Yeah, the Chappelle special. Um, everything. What else do we have? Just I mean, big, just everything. Just the continual like fucking culture war. I truly hate yeah, it. I it's, truly it's so hate bizarre. It. I I think I think what frustrates me almost more than anything else is actually the just obsession with cancel the word you know the word cancel on the mm-hmm. comedians end because I think that at the end of the day. That's what helps like keep the controversy going. And at the same time, I feel like people are just now, you know, I kind of love seeing Michael Che out there making fun of podcasters, which is funny <laughs> to say because I am a podcaster. I've even hit him up and been like, you, you know, joking a, with him wait, about Wait, you're talking he, about former roundtabler of the year, Michael round Che? Roundtabler of the year, five-time podcast roundtabler of the year, Michael Che. I, I even, I've even joked about him how he's been going. But, but I, I get it because I feel the same way in that um, I don't do stand up, right? I, I did it for a little while, you know, and then I don't even really do sketch comedy anymore up to this point. I would love to get back into it. I have dreams of getting back into the live comedy scene. But at the same time, every time I see these these different quote unquote comics going up and being like, here's my hour and a half discussion about cancel blah blah cancel culture Mm -hmm. you know what i mean it's like dude fucking write some jokes i don't (laughs) give a fuck man like shut the fuck up i don't care about your your views on 
COVID. I don't care about your views on cancel culture. Fucking write comedy, bro. I want to see. I want to laugh. I don't. I want. I don't give a fuck, man. It's just such a me, me, me kind mm. of thing that just drives me a little crazy. And at the same time, the conversation is interesting, but it's just going on and on and on. And I think somebody mentioned that Chappelle was like canceled or something the other day, or, or like I feel like comedians think Chappelle got canceled. Now that word is just being bandied about, and I'm like, what does it even mean anymore? He didn't suffer any fucking consequences. Yeah. So shut the fuck up. Like I could see you saying like Louis C.K. was technically I would say canceled, right? Like his show got removed mm-hmm. from air. He just put out a, a stand-up special, which I do actually kind of want to check out. Uh, it's called Sorry um, that he put out himself. I mean, so even he is not at the end of the day actually that fucking canceled. Yeah. Like he's able to sell tickets. He's able to put out a comedy special. I'm sure it's doing just fine, you know, because there's a bunch of people being like, well, he got canceled. I have to support him extra hard. I feel like it's just but a that's... gimmick to get people to fucking suckers to like support you even more and throw more money at if you. If you're okay, what I'm trying to say is canceled. if your cultural uh, consumption is dictated solely by an imagined population that you think are mad that you're like consuming something. You something broke. Something is wrong. You should not live your life in direct defiance of y- your boogeyman. Like, yeah, it's, it's just- like just write fucking comedy and make observations outside of that shit. I'm, I'm gonna. I have an admission to make. I used to listen to Rogan. I like literally had to. I just clear cut that I had to yeah. stop because literally every episode you just go. And it was like, dude, I, you're not even offending me right now with your dumbass take about the vaccinations and shit and the mask. You're just boring the fucking <laughs> piss out of me. Stop talking about. Like, find other shit to talk about. You used to have people on, and you would either joke with them about funny things or you would fucking talk to experts about things uh, uh, not related to fucking COVID and it was actually kind of interesting for a while but you know maybe the wool was just over my eyes on that shit but you know it was really funny like Che um, kind of went after like Tim Dillon talked uh, put some tweet out shitting on SNL <laughs> Che was just like I know Tim like I, I know you bro and also like just kind of made fun of the fact that he's like he, you know, and, and whether whether you like to deal it or not I, think, I actually do think the guy's pretty funny but I mean we, we both know him we both like we're Hanging out with him every night. Che's point was just like, Tim Dillon, uh, you know, he couldn't hack it in comedy, so he decided to do this podcast thing, and, like, that's the world he lives in now where he has to, like, shit on things and do this kind of stuff because he can't actually just do comedy. And then he posted another um, of a different comedian whose name I actually forget, but I probably wouldn't say it anyways, post of his hour-and-a-half-long podcast reacting to the Tim <laughs> Dillon-Michael Che controversy, and he's just like, I know these guys. <laughs> he didn't say guys. He said the N-word with the soft yeah, R, yeah. but I can't say that word. But he was like, I know these fucking guys like i fucking did you know what i mean it's like this is so funny to see this dude post an hour and a half shit talk about me instead of writing fucking comedy and putting fucking comedy on the stage you know what i mean and then when you put that comedy on the stage you know and it just is about your your victimhood it's just so funny because you become the thing you say you hate you become this like professional victim that you know, and uh, you know, no, that, both it, sides it doesn't exist. Love nothing more than getting someone fired. It's, yeah, yeah, it is so dumb. That and being said, I just, if even though I just said both sides are annoying, uh, there is I, as always. I have to do the caveat that on one side, if they lived it, if if everything was done by one side's rules, uh, I would get yelled at uh, more than usual, mm. and that would be annoying. If another side. 
completely won the culture war, uh, I would be on a list for being Jewish. So, you know, it's yeah. a very, you know, I'm, I'm yes. more aligned with one it's side. It's hard to say both sides, <laughs> but at the same time, you know, and, and I will say too, even some of the shit these people who I've just mentioned some I don't disagree with a shit that they a lot you know or not maybe not a lot but maybe some of the shit they say right like yeah. and I have opinions about cancel culture and blah 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 I'm just so bored of it I'm yeah. just fucking bored by the conversation get off of it it's it's there's nothing to be said because it's also you're quote unquote calling yourself canceled because of like the dumbass people on Twitter. Like, yeah, we all agree those people are fucking morons. Like, <laughs> haven't we all understood and decided that the dumbest, craziest people are the loudest and most obnoxious? They have no, in that is no indication of what's actually going on in the real world, A. And B, like, they just make the people who have legitimate points that you're, that you don't agree with look fucking terrible. You know what I mean? It's not like the fucking, the, the no, no sane individual is like picking fights on Twitter all day. Like those are, yes, I agree. They're fucking morons, but th th their opinion means nothing. Like they're just fucking morons. Like their opinion, the, the fact that they have a different opinion or the same opinion as you does not matter at all. So I think it's just, it's getting frustrated with comics who just have decided like my brand is this fucking dumb cancel shit and, and fighting against it as if it's real and like legitimizing it and making it real. Uh, as opposed to just doing fucking comedy, man. I just want to laugh again. I'm done with this shit. It, it honestly, the brain virus is the culture war brain virus is so strong that there. Did you see this thing where Elon Musk sat down with the Babylon Bee, <laughs> which is one of the worst, quote unquote, comedy parody sites? Like, <laughs> like it, half of their revenue is literally just from like not funny headlines that like, uh, cranks and aunts and uncles on Facebook think are real news stories. Uh -huh, uh -huh. And he's yeah. like, well, the onion got woke. And I think you guys are funny now. Like nobody thinks the Babylon yeah. Bee is funnier than the onion. It's like just, well, you yeah, are I didn't, I've broken. never even heard of that. I haven't even uh, heard of the Babylon Bee. So yeah, anyways, uh, moving right along, we're going back to games here. I think one of the biggest <laughs> news stories in video games is just um, the promise of the future as we saw so many delays in 2021. And what's cool about it, and I, you know, as I'm now listening to, I love year-end lists and I love year-end um, podcast lists and stuff like that. Um, so I'm excited for Giant Bombs to come out. Uh, Firescape did like a five-hour uh, a podcast of all their year-end stuff uh, all in one package, which was awesome. And I listened to all that. And you know, I think what was cool about this, the in just uh, unbelievable amount of delays to 2022 and even 2023 that happened for so many big AAA games, so many games that like need people actually in offices working together making them, is we actually got an opportunity to play a lot of like weirder games. I think a lot of people got the the chance to play stuff they might not have played in a normal year of video game releases, right? Mm. So not only am I so excited for even just February 2022 is like the Horizon Zero Dawn fucking sequel, Elden Ring, which is the only game I care about right now uh, in, in my future. And like three other like giant releases are all happening like top of the year. What when And what would normally happen in like maybe September, October, November, like holiday season, right? Mm -hmm. They're all dropping in 2021. Um, but I think in a, in a way it's cool because I, I definitely ended up playing like all the, a game like Inscription, which I don't know if I necessarily would have played all the way through. It in takes a normal, two. 
year. It takes two. Another big uh, kind of definitely. I mean, it won game of the year at the game. Awards. That was also uh, an awesome situation because, you know, in a in a it got me playing with my buddy Kellen, mm-hmm. you know, and any game that's getting me like out of my shell of of quarantine and everything, I think was was great. And that was a great excuse for that. But uh, yeah, I, I think it's it's good in two ways. A, we got to play maybe stuff we wouldn't necessarily play in, in this year of game releases. B, we have, dude, the future's so bright, I gotta put on fucking my <laughs> Dark Souls shades, bro. I'm so excited for all these games coming out soon. And 2022 is gonna be annoying with the amount of games. And perfect for me because I couldn't really play a lot with the move and the baby. Mm. So uh, that baby is literally turning six months, which is kind of the it gets easier it turn, you know, twist. For most people, most parents, like literally like four days before Elden Ring comes out. So I'm like so thrilled that all the, these things were pushed back and whatnot. Anyways, uh, let's yeah. move on to uh, do you want to do your favorite games of the year? Is this when we watch the whittling? We listen live whittle, listen whittle down. Whittle, and you want to close with the superlatives? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say just the uh, uh, my only final little news bits. Um, was just uh, well, it was really cool that Halo was able to make good on uh, <laughs> How many, like, I can't believe they were able to turn it around for themselves. That's really incredible. And then um, just a lot of big purchases by Microsoft and Sony, uh, with Microsoft purchasing um, Bethesda. Uh, oh, God, I forget. I Sony also, what, uh, acquired Nixus Software. Um, Tencent bought a Turtle Games. Rock. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, yeah, so anyways, it's it's been, um, it's just, man, the battle of the boxes, dude. Just PlayStation and Microsoft duking it out for the uh, original IP space. But Xbox apparently, you know, I've always been a PlayStation guy. I'm really excited to have my PlayStation. I, I don't know. I, I'm not going to go online and fight with people about it, but I do definitely have like an affinity to, more towards PlayStation. I will say this fucking Game Pass thing, it was the year for Game Pass. I think for a lot of people, the way better deal is to get a um, to get an Xbox and get Game Pass. Someone did the math. So many good games for if you, uh, a cheap monthly fee across twenty twenty one. Xbox uh, had available for a single monthly price uh, twenty six hundred dollars worth of games for you to peruse. Yeah, if you had to pay for them separately, which is pretty impressive. It's crazy, and not just just you know. These things have happened before in the games or whatever. I mean, we're talking brand new games where you can play Halo uh, Infinite on there. You got Forza Horizon 5 on there. I mean, you just have so many, like, mm. strong, uh, long, you know, 30, 60 hour games, AAA new games for a fucking monthly fee. I mean, it, it's hard to turn your back on it. I just need to figure out, I think I need an Xbox controller maybe because I got Game Pass on my PC and I was like, let's play. And then I only have uh, PlayStation controllers and it's not it's not reading them. Uh, I mean, I'm the question is, do you want to spend $30 for a secondhand or refurbished Xbox One controller or do you want to spend an entire week of your life installing plugins and yeah. uh, middleman software so that your uh, PlayStation controller can read? And I have done that in the past, but Steam, and I got rid of all that stuff because Steam finally got PlayStation controller support. And I, you know what, dude? I don't want to go back <laughs> because it would, there was something would always fuck up and I'd have to figure it out. Like I, it, was, it, it never was easy mm-hmm. to get a PlayStation controller to work before Steam got controller support, so regardless let's get into it and you have uh do you have some lists as well or yeah, maybe yeah. just some shout outs so let, let me let me get into my top video games of the year i have a list right here i'm going to read off and then i'm going to create my top five 
uh, right here, right now for you guys. So here we go. Here are my top five top video games of the year that stood out to me. I will also say these are kind of the only games I play. I, did, I kind of included most everything I had played at this point <laughs> because I didn't get to play a ton of games, um, but I did love these ones. Inscription, I already talked about it. I'll talk about it some more in just a second. Resident Evil Village, mm. Guilty, Ge- Guilty Gear Strive, It Takes Two, Ratchet and Clank, Demon's Souls, which I believe came out in 2020. Mm. Yeah? Uh, oh, yeah, that was the other big news story, by the way. It's still impossible to get PlayStation 5. Um, just shout-outs to how shitty that is and the microchip shortage and scalpers suck. Uh, Yakuza Like a Dragon, which I oh, also yeah. believe came out in 2020, so it might gonna... It's a, the Demon Souls and Yakuza probably have to go in my shout, special shout-outs pile. Uh, Bowser's Fury, mm-hmm. uh, which was a fantastic game to play when I didn't have a lot of time for games, but just wanted a quick little dip of the toe while the baby was asleep for two seconds. One of the best toe dips in gaming this oh, year. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Easy, breezy, in and out, and near replicant version 1.22474548719393. So, yeah, I guess I'm going to go ahead and just remove Demon Souls and Yakuza Like a Dragon. I'm going to put down uh, at the bottom and off of the list because they did come out in 2020, I do believe. Um, I also just want to say for Demon Souls, man, that was like it was like holding a piss really hard, like you know, for a long time, and finally just letting it out. I had been wanting to play Demon Souls for a while now before that remake was announced. Um, never got around to it. I even had a fan sent me their PlayStation Three and a copy of the PS3 Demon Souls, and um, it was dead on arrival. The PS3 wouldn't turn on. Yeah. So I even got so close. Then they shut down the servers for it, which also kind of broke my heart. I was like, damn, I'm just never going to play this fucking game. Then they announced the remake for PS5, and then wouldn't you know it, PS5, impossible to find. It literally, I literally finally was able to get one, what, three weeks ago? And that was through flexing on your micro-influencer yeah, status. By flex, you mean whining and complaining <laughs> until someone finally sent it to me. Just to Cal Dame, shout out to Cal Dame. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I, it was just like, just something I was dying to play and to let that piss big, long piss out by getting to play Demon Souls. Um, I, I beat it in less than a week. I just absolutely loved it though. I'm going to, I'm going to replay it. Definitely. I want to do maybe a mage run as well. And, uh, it was just really, it, for me, it's almost more of, uh, academia, like, um, a historical work for me because, I've loved the Souls series. I've beaten every Souls game. That was the only one I hadn't beaten. So now I've beaten every Souls game from From Software, including Bloodborne and Sakura. And uh, it was definitely, you know, it's definitely not. It's rough around the edges for sure. Even the remake, which they really made it so they really improved on so much stuff. But you know, just level design wise, things like that. It was definitely their first attempt at this kind of thing, right? And there's some amazing moments. And then there's also, though, some, you know, some areas that are just like, what is this fucking dumb swamp area that just is not just well, you know, that they are able to curate a lot better, even starting with Dark Souls. Still, shout us that. And shout us to Yakuza Like a Dragon, because I even felt it while I was playing it, especially after I moved here and the lead up to having a baby. I was like, damn, this is probably the last like big ass RPG like this that I'm gonna play for like a while. Like it's it's gonna be a minute. And even this year, uh, Shimigami Tensei Five came out. I was tempted to pick it up, but I was just like, man, there's just no fucking way I'm gonna be able to give this game the attention that I would need to with this baby. Like I need uh, shorter experiences, things I can jump in and out of. So. 
uh, yeah, it was kind of a misty moment for me, and I just loved that experience. As a, as a final RPG for a minute, that was the best way to go out. Uh, all right, so now we've got Inscription Resident Evil Village, Guilty Gear Strive, It Takes Two, Ratchet and Clank, Bowser's Fury, uh, Near Replicant. I think I'm going to go ahead and cut Bowser's Fury. I just, I really liked it, but it was just such a, a tiny experience, mm-hmm. and um, one that, uh, you know, I it's attached to Super Mario, what is it? Super Mario 3D, 3D World. World, yeah, which is an amazing game that I've already played on mm. the Wii U. I'm one of the few Wii U owners out there that played that game. Uh, but Bowser Fury is this cool promise of a Mario game in the future as well. This mm-hmm. interesting open world style Mario game that just was so nice. And what's funny though is that probably the thing that was the least fun about it was like the name of the game essentially. Oh, was the, the part fact where that Bowser on a timer, Bowser goes a wall and just starts like making your life hell while you're just trying to get through a level. It was cool, but. Uh, you know, there were there were times when you just didn't want to fucking deal with that and you just wanted to enjoy the level you were on. And you had to just hide in a corner hoping yeah. that it would just pass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or you just get murked fucking yeah. immediately and you're like, all right, fine, and start over. But still, uh, especially by the end of it, I want to go back and maybe even 100% or like collect mm. a bunch of this stuff. By the end, I was like, damn, this is, I love this loop. Like, mm-hmm. I lo- or I love just this flow of this gameplay. It's not a loop. I love the flow of this gameplay, like from one area to the next and, you know, what they're having you do. It just clicked, especially. And you just see something in the distance. You're like, oh, that looks fun. And you just hop on over to it. And you're all of a sudden you're yeah. just playing a new Mario level. And it's like really well done. Yeah, really well done. And really, really that just fucking super duper Mario. Just mm-hmm. super fun, super good times and really perfect game to play while I was uh, you know, raising a newborn. Mm-hmm. Now we're finally past the newborn phase where it's, a l- yeah, I can spend a little more time on stuff. She has a bedtime and things like that. Um, okay, so now we're left with Inscription, Resident Evil Village, Guilty Gear Strive, It Takes Two, Ratchet and Clank, and Near Replicant version. This is kind of hard. All right, Inscription, Resident Evil Village, It Takes Two, and Ratchet and Clank, I think all will be in my top five. So it's down to Guilty Gear Strive or Near Replicant. Now, there's two issues here. I feel like Near Replicant, I enjoyed a lot of it, but I didn't love all of it. It definitely, again, talking about Demon Souls, it's like the prototype for a game I would later come to mm-hmm. find, feel is one of my favorite games ever made, Near Automata. But it ha- you know, it has some annoying repetition to it, mm-hmm. you know, things like that. I think that's what's going to bump it down. My only thing with Gear- Guilty Gear Strive that would make me want to put it in the bottom or put it... Is that least- you're still a Street Fighter guy when all is said and done. Yeah, I didn't play it a, a ton, a ton. I actually probably watched, spent more time watching other people <laughs> play it on like Twitch streams than I spent playing it. But it's so beautiful. I want a fighter on my list. And I still think it just stands a little bit above it just in terms of quality mm. um, my experience with near so i think i'm going to move near down and we're down to inscription resident evil village guilty gear strive i'm going to put guilty gear strive at the bottom just for the sheer fact that i did not play it as much as um i feel like i should to really get the experience out of it um so let's talk about the rest ratchet and clank i haven't beaten which is why it might take my fourth splot splot I might take my fourth slot. Uh, I, yeah, I, in fact, I think I see the order now at this point. Ratchet and Clank, absolute beautiful visual feast, best looking game on my list by far, um, but not doing a ton different from the previous Ratchet and Clank experience I had with that remake, but just doing it so well, and I don't care, and it, it's, it feels great. 
It looks great. I'm just starting to really click with... Uh, Ratchet Click has a really fun... Like I, I guess I'll refer to it as click points. You know, like anytime you're playing a game and you're sort of finding your way in it, and then there's that click moment where you really just you you dial in the uh, combat, you dial in the game flow, and you're like, oh hell yeah, this is great. Oh, I have to add one more actually, Guardians of the Galaxy. So actually, I'm going to. Oh, I might have to remove Guilty Gear Strive. Oh no. Anywho, yeah, uh, uh, Ratchet and Clank though, absolutely beautiful. And a great showcase for the PS5. Um, it Takes Two. I played with Kellen. I think there's... It Takes Two will be low on my list if it makes it. it, it just because, like, it's more like story beat shit that's annoying and stuff like that. My thing was, dude, I didn't really give a fuck about the story. <laughs> there was fun enough stuff about the story. I, I can't believe it got Game of the Year, to be honest with you, <laughs> on the Game Awards. But uh, but I, I, I get that it deserves to be in the conversation, but I will just say, if, if, when it comes to a game that I played with a friend of mine and just had, smiled ear to ear and just had so much fun playing, and, and specifically with Kellen, like, I wouldn't... If it was just the solo experience version of that game, I don't think it would even be in my list, but they really did a great job of making it a pure co-op experience. Mm-hmm. Where you have to work together... You know, each level with a different theme, and they did so many cool things. And I felt like people complained about the length of the game. I felt fine about it. I had because I had so much fun. So it's definitely going to be in my top five. All right, Holden, gun to your head. I literally hired an assassin. I can see him through your window. Uh, what is? Give me your top five. All right, I think I'm going to have to go with Gutierrez. Stand down on my mark, Gutierrez. I repeat. <laughs> I think I'm going. It might just have to be a top six because fuck it. I think I'm going to have to go with. I think I'm going to have to go with this here. Let's see. Uh, all right, I'll leave it like that. Uh, Resident Evil Village. I think might be my top. I I love what they've been doing re- with Resident Evil lately. You know, Resident Evil Three Remake was just honestly too short. But fun, but not long enough, and I don't get what they how they dropped the ball with that. But that Resident Evil Two remake was great. RE Seven was awesome, and Resident Evil Village. I played it all the way through on stream. Uh, there's a moment in it as a uh, uh, dude who had a baby this year. Mm. One of the scariest, just even without that moment, uh, without my personal situation, one of the scariest moments in a Resident Evil Village game. You're ever. talking about the moment with the baby, yeah, and uh, the baby monster, and. The characters were great. It became like this meme thing with Lady Dimitrescu mm-hmm. as well, which kind of blew it out to another level. I just love the feel of that game, the flow of that game. Uh, talk about a game that just does not outwear its welcome. Perfect length of a game. I, I really just think, and, and looks great, feels great, and and just they did such a good job of making each area feel unique, each boss fight feel unique and interesting. And especially after a second playthrough, just like, man, so happy with that experience. At two, uh, Inscription, uh, and I'll just keep saying, a game, I'm not a big deck build card game guy at all. Like, I'm not a magic guy. I'm not into, uh, and, and it's hard for me to get gripped by that. This version of a deck building game is so good for a person like me. I just got completely sucked into it. And Jake, I know you're not you're not past the first area yet. Dude, where that game goes and how that game elaborates, expands on not just the story, 
uh, surrounding it, which is this really creepy, awesome mystery. I love a good indie game rug pull. I love yeah. Pony Island. I loved Undertale. It's like this, one this of my favorite like, things. So I'm excited to see where it goes. It's like a million rug pulls. Like what this <laughs> game does. This game just constantly there. There's almost there is no rug. The rug <laughs> the, they light the fire, uh, the rug on fire at one point. Like. And and it just is so fun and and I got to the second area I'll just say and I struggled for a little bit and I was like Ugh, I don't even know about this and then it clicked and then I just blasted through the rest of it. There's essentially it's like a three part thing. I blasted through it. I've never had a deck builder like click so well with me. And by the end, I felt like a fucking card ninja. I was like on it and and it just everything it did was novel and fun and interesting and just came out of nowhere and just really really blew the doors off of the thing. Um, then we have, uh, uh, I guess I'll go with, it's hard to say with Guardians because my save got deleted, so I'm just going to put it at the bottom here. It takes two, very fun. Number three, very fun. I just, funnest experience probably I had playing a game this year with Kellen. And we streamed, I think, the last chunk of it if you want to check it out. Ratchet and Clank at four, best game, uh, best looking game. Feels great. Guilty Gear Strive, I wish I could put it further up. I just didn't play it enough. And that's the same with Guardians of the Galaxy. They're almost, they're tied for fifth. These also didn't get to play Guardians enough. Guardians, again, came out of nowhere. Didn't think I even wanted that kind of experience. You know, especially we, we just talked a bunch of shit about Chris Pratt. I love how Star Lord in this game looks and sounds nothing like him. And the combat style with the command inputs. You play a Star Lord, you command all the the rest of your team, Groot and everybody, Devora and everybody else, uh, what to do. And it's that sounds like maybe not as active and fun as you think. It's incredibly active and fun. And the dialogue is actually great, really well written, really funny, really just surprising, everything about that game. So there you go. Resident Evil Village at number one, Inscription at number two, It Takes Two at number three, Ratchet and Clank at number four, and Tied for Fifth, Guilty Your Strive, and Guardians of the Galaxy. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash activecash. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Before we move on to the Wizard and the Bruiser superlatives, I just want to give a shout out to some things that I think uh, maybe got overlooked this year. Uh, in the movies category, uh, these are two releases that kind of just got dumped on streaming platforms, but I think uh, really are exceptional. And I think they also got theatrical releases at some point. But uh, Free Guy is a movie. Uh, it's Ryan Reynolds, and it takes I've place. I've been meaning to watch it. I've heard nothing but good things it about it. It is such, I, I mean, everything everything from the trailers to uh, makes it seem like it's another, like if you die in the game, you die for real just hacky, bad video game movie, but it has a lot of wit. It really does like understand video game logic to a surprising degree. There's a lot of fun Easter eggs and it 
you don't have to be someone who sunk a million hours into like open world adventure games to like get everything, but everything from the supporting cast, Taika Waititi is a great uh, antagonist. Ryan Reynolds does his very Ryan Reynolds thing, uh, which I, I mean, I'm at once I'm sick of it, but he's so damn good of just that like, Ooh, I haven't seen that since Sister Mary Catherine handed out No No Tuesdays, or like just that weird, like teen naughty but still PG humor. Uh-huh. It's the effects are great, uh, the action pieces are great. It really there's through lines throughout. If you want a genuinely fun time, Free Guy absolutely works. And uh, also, Mitchell's versus the Machines was released directly to Netflix, but it's Sony Animation. Uh, and uh, produced by Phil Lord and Chris Miller, who are two of my favorite filmmakers. The Lego Movie, 21 Jump Street reboot, Clone High, uh, almost like uh, just everything possible. Uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, like just these guys can do no wrong. And this animated movie just has so much like uh, bombastic animation styles. Uh, It kind of takes on this, 2000s era internet lol random aesthetic but it, they do it in a way that isn't uh upsetting i'd say uh the voice cast everyone from danny mcbride to maya rudolph to abby jacobson give great performances and as a whole it is a smart modern animated comedy that i just found myself just smiling the whole way through and if you haven't watched it yet uh, I think you are missing out. The Mitchells versus the Machines is really, really good. I still need to see it as well. Thank you for the reminder because I definitely want to check it out. In terms of games, uh, Ziggurat 2, which was this kind of uh, Wizards and Warriors kind of uh, roguelike uh, FPS game. Uh, I've been playing a ton of. I have like 50 hours in it. And it's just great for a pick up and play kind of experience. Highly kinetic. Uh, different weapon loadouts, like everything you'd love. Kind of imagine uh, first person Hades is a way I would describe it. That kind of just hectic en- enemy management, running and gunning with all these uh, weird weapons, staves, spells, alchemical guns, all like kind of firing off on each other. Interesting boss designs, uh, a very coherent art style. It's, I just find it very comforting and it's, uh, a great sequel to the original Ziggurat. Uh, and also, Here Comes Nico, which is the like purest distillation of a comfy game or a cozy game, I think is the emerging genre. Imagine a weird hybrid of uh, Super Mario Odyssey and Animal Crossing, and uh, you're almost there. You are traveling to all these different islands with all these platforming-based challenges. You're running around, talking to people, collecting items, and... Uh, the art style is very, very endearing. Everything has a flat Paper Mario style 2D characters in a 3D world aesthetic. And the writing is weirdly, I, for a game, it is very funny and sharp and full of great references. And I found myself playing it a lot on stream. And I really think if you're uh, in the mood for something that is engaging but not frustrating, uh, checking out Here Comes Nico would be a very great choice and a good way to support an indie dev. Nice. Looks like we are ready for superlatives to close out the show. Uh, I've organized our list up top there, Jake, on our little shared docs. So check mm. it out. Um, 
We have uh, six superlatives. Favorite episode we recorded. Favorite episode we researched. Most WTF episode to research. Favorite guest. Standout character. And Spotify award for most listened to episode. (laughs) Fantastic. All right. So let's start with a favorite episode we recorded. Um... Uh, I I think I would go with the one you chose, Jake. But I'm gonna give I'm gonna let that be the shout out for standout character. <laughs> um, but I will say for me, it was a long time coming, and I felt like you know, of all the episodes that I got, um, people hitting me up being like, "Thank you so much for doing it justice. Thank you so much for for you know finally doing that episode and really and really t- taking putting the care into it." So it just felt. Great to do it, um, and that would be Berserk. Uh, for me, I'd been I started reading that. I picked up the first uh, couple volumes of Berserk on uh, a road trip with my band, The Cowmen. Uh, we uh, back when uh, Marcus was uh, still drumming with us, we did a show, I believe, in uh, Charleston. No, 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 we did a show in was it Baltimore? I forget. Either way, we uh, hit a comic book store uh, the next day, very hungover, and I purchased those for the ride home and was hooked from then on and spent the next uh, several years just slowly acquiring the volumes, kind of letting it be a little treat every couple months, getting a few more volumes and finally caught up uh, with the final volume not too long before. Essentially, I made a big push to finish it when um, the author, uh, the the writer-illustrator died. And it was so uh, untimely and tragic to me. And therefore, I knew I needed to finally get that episode out. And um, I don't know. It was a combination of feeling good doing it and then also really feeling good about the feedback I got on it. And, you know, I don't get a ton of feedback on each episode necessarily. And so that was a big standout to have people not only uh, hit me up about that particular one, but uh, to say such nice things. So, yeah, that's going to be it for me for favorite episode we recorded. What about you, Jake? Uh, In terms of uh, something that I walked away from going like, wow, I think we're telling a story that a a lot of people aren't quite aware of and and a really interesting story involving a lot of people that um, we usually don't get to hear their stories of failure and of mistakes. Uh, The Pokemon Snap story was something that I found really compelling. The idea of Jack and the Beanstalk and uh-huh. these legendary game creators, uh, you know, Satoru Iwata, uh, uh, Shigesato uh, Itoi, and of course, uh, Shigeru Miyamoto of Cave Behind His House fame. And their their big swing for the fences to try and like make up for the fact that Sony was eating their lunch at a very awkward time in Nintendo's history. And after all of the just bizarre twists and turns of this studio that they put together uh, using the best and the brightest and then having them kind of flail without guidance uh, is a really interesting lesson on how creativity works and how creativity as a business is a hybrid of, you know, craft and commerce and the end result being this singular this singularly weird game with a singularly weird mechanic that people still talk about to this day to the point where, you know, 20 something years later, they finally put out a sequel to it uh, was really, really interesting. Yeah. Like talk about like failing upwards. I also want to throw a shout out to um, on a similar note, but one where they failed just straight downwards. Uh, Virtual Boy is a bit of a companion piece, I feel like. A Nintendo 
created thing. Very tragic story, just knowing about the life of the creator of the Game Boy and then also the Virtual Boy and then what happened, you know, his untimely death. Um, but yeah, a, a, a good companion piece, I think, that was a lot of fun to do as well about how, you know, the inner workings of Nintendo and how things don't just, you, you just look at them and they're so perfect. Yeah. Like the, the way that they do, you know, and they fail a lot. Like the Wii U was a disaster, you know, this, that, and the other. I'm not saying that they, but, but a lot of their product, a lot of kind of the way they try to come off is like, pitch perfect clean crisp so it's really fun to see the inner struggles uh mm-hmm. when you get a tiny eye on the eye in on that stuff um yeah it's you know they're the disney of video games and yeah. turns out yes. they had a dark ages just like any yeah. just like that and and they swing for the fences you know and and that's the other thing i love that they are both the disney but the and, and they you know play it safe plenty but man they also fucking try some wild wicked shit and it's cool to see and especially when it works out like with the wii but it's also very fascinating um, from a more academic standpoint or historical standpoint uh, to see when they have failed and like what, you know, and that, that's that been a lot of fun, you know, because we also had, we did the Connect mm-hmm. as well. Uh, and that was a fun episode to do. I, I feel like I learn almost more about, uh, about, success based off of the episodes we do where big failure happened mm-hmm. as opposed to big success stories. You're like, man, it just really, you, you just really learn a lot. All right. Favorite episode we researched. Um, man, it is so hard for me mm-hmm. uh, between these two things. I just got sucked into them so hard, and especially at a time when I needed huge distractions because it was the hardest kind of goings with uh, the newborn. And when the going got hard, it, it got fucking hard, and I needed this stuff in my life. Uh, actually, shout out to Jackass as well, because that was around the same time, and Jackass was a fun escape. But I, I put down SCP Foundation slash Demon Slayer. You know, I might have to go with Demon Slayer, actually, because I just had no thought in my head that I would get so sucked into that show mm-hmm. and that it would just really, you know, now I'm just absolutely a fan. If, like, I hope they keep putting movies out in the movie theater because I will be there day one this point i love i love the feeling of being totally caught up on an anime yeah there's just something about that it's a rare and beautiful feeling it just feels great and and it's very catch upable at this point mm-hmm. it's not a ton of episodes like you can definitely get in now and i think now is the great time to get in on it real quick uh, uh shout outs to scp foundation like i just had so much fun reading those stories mm-hmm. and it just was one of those weeks where I'm like, damn, I love what I do for a living. Like, mm-hmm. this is so fun to just, I have to sit here and read all these scary, brilliant, awesome stories. And also, I love a community-driven thing. Like, it's, it's such a miracle that that site exists and is as well put together as it is. So shout out to SCP, but I think Demon Slayer actually takes it because I just had a blast watching through all of that stuff. And then we did the movie with our uh, Sunday study group, $15 on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash whizbrew. Um, every Sunday we uh, do a study session, whatever we're covering that week. And uh, for Demon Slayer, we actually got a two-week study session. So we watched the first couple of episodes and the w- first study session and then we watched the newest movie the film they released and the uh, good old Mugen Train and that was awesome and it was fun to get to do that with the group so yeah there you go Demon Slayer for me what about you Jake Uh, speaking of community driven things the Rush episode yeah was made so much more fun and so much more engaging because 
out of the woodwork within our own community over on the uh, Patreon and just uh, reaching out to people on Twitter and the Facebook group. Rush fans are some of the nicest, most like genuinely excited and friendly people uh-huh. to talk about why they love what they love. It was the music ones are so fun. I feel like our yeah again our community just make you know because I remember Coheed there was mm-hmm. so much passion and love for for the musicians and the music. And I love that, that enthusiasm gets me enthusiastic. And just getting to listen to a bunch of like really interesting, fun music throughout the week as again, as part of my job is a very delightful feeling. And it's uh, a lot of times it's like very intimidating to try and play catch up to something with a 50 year history, like rush Mm -hmm. a legacy and cultural moments and in jokes and twists and turns and by the end, because uh, there's nothing Rush fans love better than explaining why you should be a fan of Rush, I felt like a member of that community by the end of the week. It was yeah. a genuinely heartwarming experience. Plus, they're just nice nerds. They were just uh, the band themselves. Like there was yeah. no, there was barely any like darkness. They just like hung yeah. out and did their thing, embraced what they were and who they were. And uh, yeah, shout out to Neil Pert. Uh, all right, most WTF episode to research. This is the episode where, you know, maybe, or, or the category where maybe you went into it thinking one thing and left, like, with a completely different understanding, or, or there was almost like a twist or a turn to the research, or whatever that may be. For me personally, definitely Rooster Teeth came out, I think, our first episode of 2021. Technically, I probably researched it in 2020, but still, we're... we're Going off the episodes that came out in 2021. And Rooster Teeth really, really... Um, was was that WTF moment of holy shit? If it wasn't for Rooster Teeth and Red versus Blue, I wouldn't have the career <laughs> I have. Twitch would not exist. I would not be able to play video games on on a, a live stream and make money off of that. Which branched out into other mm. things, and I do other stuff with Twitch um, now. It's pretty evenly all different types of stuff, but still. To know that it was fucking Rooster Teeth and Red versus Blue, the corny, silly, well, not corny, it's funny, legit funny, weird experiment they did using Halo and the ability to bob heads <laughs> up and down. It, it's just mind blowing. When, when it, that, that was why it was so WTF. It went from something I researched to reaching into my actual real life. Mm-hmm. And uh, actually explain, giving me a backstory to my own career that I didn't even realize existed. So obviously had to go to that for me. Jake? In terms of weirdness, I'd have to say one of the episodes I recorded while you were on uh, paternity leave uh, was Beyblade. And I was so befuddled by just the (laughs) layers of depth and the mechanics. Because I just thought... Letter rips, uh, top goes spin spin, and that's the whole thing. And talking to a professional Beyblader, a blader uh, was one of the most confusing and overwhelming conversations I've ever had on a microphone <laughs> because uh, it was, I was, have even after having done a week of research, listening to uh, Jose Limos, uh, also known as Team Zanki on YouTube, Break down the interdisks, the defense zones, the extra nib, the power grind. Like all, I was just, I was struggling to hold on to the surface of the planet Earth. I felt like things were flying past me so quickly. And um, just here, just 
truly feeling the depth of the rabbit hole yeah. and and just falling further and further and still <laughs> not seeing the bottom was a truly disorienting experience. I, uh, I if there was a superlative for most uh, pr- most profound effect an episode had on Jake's life, though, I would say you got to give a shout out to v- the VTuber episode. Okay, as just you decided because... to become a VTuber after we did it, just because, <laughs> and I even thought about it, and I pitched it to Henry, and Henry considered being <laughs> a VTuber, like. Like it just had like the most like wait what's going on and and learning all about that and then you going off and becoming puppet Jared on YouTube YouTube.com for shout out to uh, Brendan Williams great black otaku yes. for uh, yes. kind of being an amazingly informative and uh, engaging guest on that totally it's not didn't do great on the Spotify numbers people get but get in there <laughs> give it a listen I think it's it changed it changed my life people exactly Sometimes it changed it my life matter because it 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 because what you the it was about the journey along the way as opposed to the numbers you saw at the end uh all right uh that's a good segue too into the favorite guest um shout out yeah shout outs to to uh so all the great mm-hmm. guests jordan olds for hot topic more recently we had um uh uh lord draconical uh matt alt and jose limas uh mike lawrence stepped in for me i have a by the way i have a lost south park episode in me i definitely <laughs> did all the research for that and i was so prepared for that episode and then uh we had the baby a little early and i wasn't able to do it so i may at some point put my lost episode of south park where it's just me going over all my research um, I think mine special shout outs is uh, to Wooly, first of all, who has been so amazing about stepping up and doing uh, episodes with us. He did the Guilty Gear Arxis episode. He His back went out. He was in horrible pain for that episode, and he still did it. Mm-hmm. And I just, what a fucking professional. What a champ. He is the one who inspired me essentially to always say yes when someone asks me to do a podcast. Um, because he is so, uh, he does such great work and he doesn't necessarily need us <laughs> and doesn't need to do our show and still has done it every time we've asked. And it just is incredibly imp- uh, impressive to me. Um, but yeah, uh, shout outs to Internet's Nathan on Blackpink um, and so on and so forth. Uh, uh, but I will say my favorite, the guest so nice, we had him on twice. <laughs> and that would be Clemps. Clemps came in. For both our near episode and then again more recently for God, it's escaping Runescape me. for our Runescape episode. So uh, shout outs to him. What a pleasant person! What a wonderful demeanor. I mean, one of those guests that I was just so because I I have to say I get really like ang- a lot of anxiety about guests. Maybe I'm just remembering the roundtable chuckle <laughs> hut days and how chaotic. Hey, I brought this stranger. Be. Hope you can t- engage with him on a personal yeah. level. I'm so comfortable with you, Jake, and we just, you know, I'm. It's just my safe space. So <laughs> when it gets invaded by a guest, but and Jake is usually the one who books the guests, and it's so good that you do that. And I'm so glad you do that. But at the same time, I'm always like, oh god, how's this going to go? Or maybe I super respect them, so I'm like, oh god, can't embarrass myself. Uh, like in the case of Wooly, but Clemson was just such a pleasant, kind, gentle soul, and he's just he's such a sweet guy. Check out. Uh, uh, the um, Twitch stream, Twitch mm. uh, and YouTube as well. Um, just, just fantastic stuff. Thank you, Clemps, for everything you've done for the podcast this year, Jake. It's very rare that when we do an episode, we uh, we usually talk about a lot of people in the third person. Maybe if we have a guest, we talk to someone who's just a former fan. Uh, or current fan or like someone who can arguably be an expert or just someone with experience relevant to what's going on. But uh, it was a rare treat in September 
when uh, I got to talk about uh, Venom's history with one of the writers who is pretty much solely responsible for his uh, entire rejuvenation in the modern comics. Uh, Donnie Cates was very giving of his time. Again, yeah, while I was gone, I mean, thank you so much, like everybody who covered for me while I was gone for paternity leave. He's a fan of the show, which is always insane to hear. Um, it's uh, And he was just super nice, was super, got along uh, great, kept up with my weird rambling questions, which... Is a challenge. I'll agree. I, I I get I get easily distracted and go down weird segues. But uh, it was I felt very privileged to be able to actually talk to the man himself, who is like literally there when they were making these huge decisions about this character we were talking about. Hell yeah, hell yeah, awesome. All right, um, and closing it out, we've got standout character. I think it's unanimous mm-hmm. from both of us. Of course, going back to the uh, Pokemon Snap episode, Scumrat Higgins. <laughs> the game Scumrat developer Higgins. who doesn't know play by the rules, man. No, yeah, and to accept the award, Scumrat, <laughs> I believe we have him here in the studio. Scumrat. I fucked a lot of things. I fucked <laughs> man and animal. I fucked the world. I will fuck this award, man. I fuck you, man. Uh, Scumrat, what was it like working with Shigeru Miyamoto? Meat! <laughs> I ate meat, and I make video game. Back when I fell on Japan from an airplane, I remember my first desire was to bring joy to the children of the world through gaming. So I did that, and then I set fire to a building, and many died. Thank you, Scummer. Well, don't set fire to this building. We what an unconventional talent. Amazing. Unbelievable. Incredible. How he got a job at Nintendo, I will never understand how he's the only non-Japanese person. We don't know where he's from, by the way. Uh, I think he says he's from the moon. So uh, who knows? Forget it, Holden. It was Jack and Beans, man. It was a different era. <laughs> All right. And last but not least, before we close things out, the Spotify Award for most listened, epi- listened to episode goes to, drumroll please, a lot of people talk to us about their favorite episodes. <laughs> a lot of people say, hey, I really love this moment, or oh, you gave me a newfound appreciation for this thing that I never quite understood before. Um, all of you guys can go to hell. All of you guys can suck it. All of you guys are just trash beneath the bottom of capitalism's shoe. Uh, turns out everyone just wanted to hear about Rick and Morty. It was Rick and Morty <laughs> by a Country Mile, every, uh, the most popular episode by far. Of course. Rick and Morty. No special guests, no exclusive interviews. It no. was just, hey, there's a new season of Rick and Morty. Do you want to hear two middle-aged men talk about Rick and Morty? And not even a weird story. And America straight- said yes. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh-wee, I'm Pickle Rick. Love me, Rick and Morty. <laughs> also, shout outs to all the Hot Topic-themed uh, episodes we weirdly, unintentionally did this year. <laughs> Besides just Hot Topic, Demon Slayer. Um, I guess we did My Chemical Romance, I think, last year, the year before. But either way, we've done a lot of topics that would end up in a Hot Topic. Mm-hmm. And uh, for that, we appreciate you. All right, that's it. I hope you enjoyed this sort of year-end wrap-up, Wizard and the Newser. If you'd like to support us further and listen to more Wizard and the Newsers as we continue to put them out... Uh, as they, uh, uh, you know, in the in the moment, if mm-hmm. you'd like to hear something not evergreen, uh, as is our normal feed and our normal show, check out Patreon, patreon.com forward slash whizbrew. Uh, every week, bonus episodes, either Wizard in the Newser or The Year That Was. Um, 
And that is just $5 on our Patreon. Honestly, outside of the extra content that just helps support us, pay our bills, continue to do this show and bring it to your ears. So just consider it in the kindness of your heart. And either way, if you don't have the money or you don't give a fuck shit, if you if you hate the world and you wanted to see everything crumble and die, but you still like listening to the show for free, Thank you. Thank you for your support. Thank you for the listens. It still it helps. Every little bit helps. So thank you so much, everybody, for that. Um, and yeah, I think that's all I got to say, Jake. Jake! This year has been a tough one. A lot of ups and downs. Oh, yeah. But uh, oh, the yeah. community that has uh, been built around this show has been a near constant source of joy and comfort for me. Um the gotta press the flesh on that Patreon again. It is kind of what keeps the lights on for me uh, and my house. So, uh, you know, if you if you got that five bucks, I swear you'll enjoy what we put out on that bonus feed. And if you don't, you can you know you can just be like, ah, well, that was five bucks. But it's, I'm just saying, you know, open your heart and your credit card and feel sorry for me. <laughs> All right, we got to get out of here. Patreon, or uh, I'm sorry, twitch.tv forward slash Holdenators Ho, uh, YouTube.com forward slash uh, Puppet Jared. Check us out on those other avenues as well. And hey, have a happy holiday. We'll see you. Um, I guess it's past the holidays now. We'll see you with new stuff, new, new topics in 2022. Let's keep this train rolling, guys. Take care, everyone. Thanks for everything. Have a good one. Oh, yeah. And always remember, never stop bruising. Keep on whizzing. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors, you can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.